The Chiefs bop the Bears, and I have some bad blood with NFL officiating. Let's talk. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, we are, as always, so appreciative of them and all they have done for KC Sports Network. And it's been an absolute pleasure partnering with them over the last couple of years. And we look forward to continuing to support them as they support us. Emprise Bank member FDIC. Matthew Lane, hello. How are we? Listen, it's a hey, good, uh, good old victory Monday here. Um, late in the late in the afternoon, evening, nighttime, maybe morning when you listen to this. But uh, the Chiefs are coming off a big victory. Uh, we have apparently the Chiefs having I don't want to say fun, but uh, doing a little shenanigans in the second half of this football game. So that <laughs> that is fun. So you know, it was it was a good time, Craig. It was a good time. Uh, how are you? Rolling in another excellent performance of this from this defense. Yeah, the defense performance. Flag on the field. Flag on the field. Oh. You are six inches too far out of alignment here. It doesn't work. I, it happened quick. I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, I'll flag again for you guys because um, you guys both looked away. All right, sorry. Continue. Uh, play the down again. Wait, Maddie, am I too far away from the mic? No, you're good because you're not. Uh, I'm only looking for one guy. <laughs> what if my name's Juwan Taylor? This, this is a great bit, guys. Uh, I really commend you guys. We did not work on that at all. and uh, is not planned at all, no. Absolutely nailed this podcast sting operation that <laughs> mirrors Kansas City Chiefs' second half trials here. Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. Uh, yeah, I, I, are we just going to like, are we going to just do this right off the top? <laughs> like, yes. is that what? Well, listen, it's the biggest story today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's already been, I'm sure some people have heard about it, talked about it, but you know, we got takes too. So let's, let's start it off. We'll rip off the bandaid. We'll come out here straight up with the, with the Juwan Taylor stuff right here on the top. And then, uh, and then, and then we can move on after that. Right. Okay. Uh, so I was, I, I, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I got to go to the chiefs game. Uh, against the Bears this the comment, The comment section during the uh, post-game show let us know that they heard a rumor that you might be there. So, Oh, wow. Okay, so, oh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, I can confirm. Uh, sitting next to Taylor Swift, I was just cropped out of that fi- that photo right there. Uh, funnily enough, my wife uh, uh, was asking me to use my super zoomed-in camera to, like, look and pan the, <laughs> to pan the, uh, like, the, Sweets to see if we could find her. We we tried. We played a little. We played a little. Where's Where's Waldo there for a little bit? Um. Anyway, so I got to sit in the end zone. It was awesome. So like that's like my favorite place to watch a game, for football nerd reasons. <laughs> you know, like you get to get the you get the wide view, and we get this incredible. We just get this unbelievably wide open touchdown for Marquez Valdez Gatling that gets called back with this ridiculous Jawan Taylor nonsense again. And I just tell you, it feels like, but before we get too far, it, is, it, it, it does feel like they're picking on Jawan Taylor 100%, but it also feels like they're picking the downs in the spots in which they're doing it. Like, it feels like crucial downs and crucial moments are, are the perfect time to try to punish Jawan Taylor for this. Like, I know the Chiefs were up a billion, but one touchdown gets called back. I believe a third down version uh, conversion gets called back. 
I, I was, I was, like, I was, I was losing it, especially after this wide open touchdown that we get, which was fun to see. It was fun. It was, a, it was a fun moment. I, it's, it's literally Marquis Valdez Scantling is walking in the direction I am sitting, and then he's walking. I, it was kind of fun to watch how how much he pulled up, how and how fast the safety was closing. Like he just knew, but he was still just kind of, kind of just you know walking with a little swag. The very next play. Patrick Mahomes rolls his ankle. A play that he did not have to be on the field if the NFL was not picking on him because Bengals truther Chris Collingsworth is going out of his way to try to bring attention to the Kansas City Chiefs dynasty because his $50 million quarterback isn't good enough to beat Patrick LeVon Mahomes. But I'm so mad that the next play after this ridiculous illegal formation call, he gets hurt. Like, you want to know, like, if the NFL's wanting to prove a point, that's great. But you know what's, do you know what's worse for the NFL than Jawan Taylor lining up where every single right tackle in the NFL lines up? Patrick Mahomes being hurt. That was worse for the NFL. I was fuming. I was absolutely fuming. The one game I watched Patrick Mahomes play, first off, he only plays half a game because they're absolutely beating the brakes off the Bears. I was fine with it after the ankle injury, though. But come on. Like, what? Ugh. It, it was an unnecessary play. He didn't even have to be on the field. And here we are. It, 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 I'll tell you what. That was a terrible 10 minutes to be sitting there watching him struggle, watching the next two passes he throws not, have no velocity to them because he's just, like, trying to tough out the rest of the half. I'm sorry. I was ma- I was mad. I was very no. Very mad. You were? You sure? You sure you were mad, buddy? <laughs> I just, I'm. It's just, it's driving me nuts, man. And it's like they could have cost the Chiefs dearly. Like if that, if that injury was worse, if that injury was worse, I would have, I would have called in to the done? post. I would have called in the post. Hang on, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. This was getting ready to be good. What, what would you have done? I would have wrote a sternly worded letter. Oh, not the Swanton letter. <laughs> I just, I yeah, I'm sorry. I just was quite, I was quite angry. It just really, it made me mad. I okay, um, I get what we're all mad about, how it played out. Um, I, I don't get too upset over like the needless injury nonsense about it because that can happen any given play. That could have been any other penalty. It like, wasn't yeah. gonna happen at all because it would have been a touchdown. He would have wore a visor the rest of the game. Yeah, it could. It stinks that it happened and it was unfortunate, especially on a call that I fully disagree with. Um, however, that that part does that part doesn't mess with me. Like, I, it, it could have been an actual holding penalty that could have been called. Not that he held, but just like it could have been any penalty, and they would have to replay it. It's like that part doesn't get me up in arms like it does Kent. I do agree with the general sentiment, and I want to ask your opinion here, Kent. Uh, you weren't here, so I I propose this. It seems to me like they are catching Jawan Taylor a lot of times with these illegal formations when he is covered up by a wide receiver aligned a little bit tighter to the formation. So if both of his penalties are coming with once with Kelsey and once with MVS and a little bit tighter split on the line of scrimmage from the slot and you can actively see the ref trying to break his neck to look around. Now, how how that works if you're trying to look down the line of scrimmage when you're aligning with the belt line, I don't know. But you can see a referee trying to look around traffic from where he's aligned. So uh, my theory is they're not picking and choosing plays, but what's happening is when Juwan Taylor is covered up, a referee saying, hmm, 
it looks like he's in the gray area and then they're just chucking the flag just because. I mean, and now, according to Andy Reid, hey, maybe they feel like they're targeting the guy unfairly for a certain reason. We're going to get to that in a second. It's just, you didn't get to hear that theory from me. So like, that was just something I lobbed out there because that's where I seem to see it happen a little bit. Because you're right, it's not every play. I think that's a fantastic theory. I want to examine it further. It still does not justify that I'm literally watching Orlando Brown line up next to Joe Burrow in this game uh, that's currently be, being played right now. Uh, and that he's he's living in the backfield before and after the snap, if you know what I mean. Um, I just, yeah, no, I, I, that's a, that's an interesting theory and it definitely, I mean, it makes some sense. I mean, it probably doesn't help the optics and they're not, if it gets to that point, they're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. Right. But here's the thing. How many teams are they cricking their neck to try to find them? Try to see where the left tackle, like, cause like the chiefs are not the only team to line up in a reduced split. So it's still, it's still ridiculous. Like it's still, like, it's still definitely targeted towards him like i get what you're saying and shout out chris collinsworth Bengals, you know psyop for for doing you know his work here to try to to put bad pr on the chiefs but i'm literally watching jonah williams line up a the the same place that Jawan taylor is right now like it's it's ridiculous so i uh, please continue matthew please cook Oh, no, no, that was all I had. I just wanted to talk about, and people heard my general thoughts on the game, the calls from the game already, and I think they heard most of Craig's, right? And so I just wanted to throw that theory to you. I, I mean, we have a little bit of news from Andy that, you know, maybe alters a little bit of what we're saying. So I was just wanted to get your opinion on that before I let Craig get uh, his takes on the uh, illegal formations off. Well, I, I mean, I got my takes off yesterday. I posited that maybe Andy was upset with, you know, Jawan Taylor playing in kind of the gray area, wanted him aligned a little closer to the line of scrimmage. It does not appear that Andy <laughs> Reed has the problem with that, that, that maybe I posited there. So I'll admit to uh, being wrong on that one yep. because Andy Reed, after this call gets made, specifically the one against MVS, that's the most egregious one where, you know, Jawan Taylor's clearly lined up correctly. It was not illegal formation. So now all of a sudden, Andy Reid pulls him out of the game. We see Prince Tiguanogo go in there. We see Donovan Smith there. Our good pal, Charles Goldman, writes, again, this is not direct quote from Andy or anything like that, writes, per source, the Chiefs trotted those guys out there, aligned them deeper on purpose because they have a refing crew that is calling this and singling out Juwan Taylor and saying this man is lining up incorrectly so they purposefully align these guys deeper don't you know they don't make it super egregious up to the depth that Juwan Taylor was lining up and they say okay let's see what happens here what happens no flags none nothing whatsoever same crew same crew that's craning their neck alongside some of these condensed formations to try and see where Jawan Taylor is. They drop these guys out there. What happens? Nothing with the exact same alignment. Now, that gives Andy Reid plenty of fodder to go talk to the referees. Andy Reid comes out in his presser today, and he reiterates, and so does Patrick LeVon Mahomes, that this guy is being unfairly picked on. So look around the league. Look where it is. I know what the league's going to say in this sort of scenario. They're going to come back and they're going to say, hey, listen, I'm talking to every crew. You know, you guys just happen to get a super picky crew. 
Now Andy gets to turn around and say, well, look what happened over here. Look at how deep our guys were aligned that weren't Jawan Taylor. Where's the flag for that? Why aren't they calling that? This is clearly a singled out thing, and I'm sure Andy Reid doesn't write anything down because he knows the Stringer Bell rule as well. He's not going to claim that he's out here with some sort of conspiracy, but he clearly tried something out there, clearly tried to get the refs to throw that flag for anybody not named Jawan Taylor, and this ref and crew just swallowed their whistle entirely. It's egregious. We're now to the point, I don't like wearing the conspiracy theory hat, but we are now to the point where it's there, and it's hard to ignore. I love that the Chiefs had 30 minutes of football to prove a point because they were beating the brakes off another NFL team, though. We do need to talk about that. Jonah Williams, uh, Joe Burrow just got sacked by Aaron Donald. Jonah Williams was lined up even with the tight end who is off the line of scrimmage just now, just so you guys know. Was there a flag for that, though? No flag. Well, no, and it it could have been a legal formation in in multiple ways because, I mean, mean, the tight end was on the line of scrimmage, too. They had too many men on the line of scrimmage. Apparently, because that's the rules for the Cincinnati Bengals and Chris Collinsworth. I mean, just to drive this home, right? There's been, I believe, now three illegal formation penalties on <laughs> offensive tackles since week one when they announced they were emphasizing this rule after including multiple players as examples for what not to do. Yep. All of those penalties are on Jawan Taylor. Not a single one is on another player. It, it, the Chiefs not only put in a different right tackle, they specifically had Donovan Smith a line further than he normally would so that they would just like see what happens and nobody cares. Nobody cares that Lane Johnson is getting off even faster than Jawan Taylor is off the ball. Granted, this isn't, you know, this isn't a legal formation. This is him, you know, getting the false start, the snap jump. But hey, Jawan Taylor got a penalty for that last week too. Like it's very clearly a targeted thing. And it all started with Chris Collinsworth getting his little panties in a bunch on primetime, opening night of of football season, and just making a big deal about it. And the NFL felt they had to respond. They made it, they politicaled it up. They made it sound like it was for everybody when it very clearly was a rule or an emphasis based around one single player. And if it wasn't for the fact that that player played for the Kansas City Chiefs or your reigning Super Bowl champions, it probably, it probably wouldn't matter. If Juwan Taylor was still in the Jaguars, nobody would care that he's doing this. Nobody would care at all. We call those champagne problems. Jawan Taylor has zero, zero illegal formation penalties in his career before joining the Kansas City Chiefs. Guess what, guys? He's aligning way closer to the line of scrimmage right now than he ever was in Jacksonville. And Craig, the Cincinnati Bengals have zero, zero rings. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Fellas, are you running into some stubble trouble? Are you dreaming of that clean shaven look but hate going through the hassle of a wet shave every other day? I know you are. That's why we've partnered with Manscaped, the brand for below the waist, and it's coming to save that beautiful face. Yes, sir, Manscaped now has beard products and is going a step further with the launch of their brand new Handyman electric face shaver it's designed to give your face that smooth and chiseled finish without the mess of a traditional shave make sure to join the 9 million men worldwide who trust manscaped with our exclusive offer head over to manscaped.com and use code kcsn for 20 percent off and free shipping your face is the first thing people see when you walk through the door give them something to look at with the manscaped handyman 
For me, being able to shave up to three days growth without the mess of traditional shaving is priceless. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-sized package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong modal. Trust me, gents, you can't go wrong with any of these options. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KCSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code KCSN. Hit the refresh button with the handyman. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to wrap your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. With the busy fall season already in swing, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. Need an extra boost to support your wellness goals and feel your best as you tackle a busy autumn? Try Protein Plus meals with 30 grams of protein or more per serving. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons, including breakfast items like our delicious apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. Or for an easy wellness boost, try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Head to factormeals.com slash KCSN50 and use code KCSN50 to get 50% off. That's right, 50% off by using code KCSN50 at factormeals.com slash KCSN50 to get 50% off. Everybody that's hanging out with us here on a victory Monday night talking about Chiefs Bears. We haven't even really talked much about the game at all, but no, it's, it's, the game. It's, it's time. <laughs> it is time. We'll start with the defense because, of course, we need to start with the defense. Uh, we need to start with Craig's defense. Uh, there's so much There's so much to unpack. Like I think it's kind of hard. I don't want to make any sweeping declarations after this game. Like, the Bears are so bad. Yep, they are so bad. Uh, I think they have some of like again. I got to watch. I got to watch end zone view for the entirety of the game. Like it was kind of like I I got the all twenty two view for the entirety of the game. It was schematically football malpractice what the Chicago Bears are doing right now. They are doing everything to not accentuate the strengths of their quarterback. Try to turn him into a traditional drop back without any great route structure to their offense uh it felt very siloed route structure where nothing was playing off each other no easy completions no great attempts to try to get your best player dj more the ball so like I, I i get like yes i i want to talk about the defense but it also like i'm trying i'm not trying to make huge declarations about this team because it was the bears but at the same time we've got a sample size of this defense being awesome for three straight games. So you got to kind of take both of those things into consideration. And what we saw from the defense was quite good, Matthew. 
I mean, it was. They, you know, Kyra Santos revenge game got rid of the shutout, and then they let up a garbage time they, touchdown. They were booing so hard when they went for the field goal. I'm sure the fans I'm were sure. so great. Oh, I Should bet uh, Santos playing Gabbert for throwing that interception and immediately setting him up in field goal range. Yeah, that Santos. was that wasn't great. That's also true. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, Santos, the reason that uh, Mahomes has to wear number 15. Um, anywho, so yeah. Now we, he gets the revenge. He gets the points on the board. But like, realistically, the defense for when things mattered did absolutely positively everything you would want for them. Oh, and by the way, their best player, Chris Jones, played hardly any snaps, especially in the second quarter. Like, it was still somewhat a game. Not a game. Sorry, I take that back. It wasn't a complete blowout in the second quarter. It was on its way there, but it wasn't a complete blowout it yet. Yeah, Chris it got Jones. ugly late. It was like 21 nothing, and then you blinked, and it was 34 nothing. Chris Jones was hanging out on the sideline more than he was getting on the field for the defense. Nick Bolton, who is one of their you know five best defenders, isn't even playing in this game, and it doesn't matter. The Bears can't do anything. I'm with Kit. I think the Bears' offense is is it's a, in disarray right now. I don't know. They need to blow it up. They need to blow it up now. I they could just go run the triple option and it would be better. Um, they need to figure out something what to do on that side of the ball. But it's still nice to see a defense come out and dominate an opponent that it's supposed to. This Chiefs defense, we talked about it, you know, year after year. No matter how bad the opponent is on offense, or sometimes even on defense, they don't dominate them in the way they always should. A lot of times when they're going up against a team that they are supposed to completely smother, they don't. This defense came out, and I mean, from that very first drive, after they gave up you know, a first down or two, they said, nah, we're done with this. And then they just tightened down, and the Bears had to fight tooth and nail for literally everything, and they still got nowhere until the Chiefs were deep into like, eh, we don't really care what happens anymore from here. Yeah, uh, very deep into, eh, we don't really care what happens from here. As a matter of fact, into the fourth quarter, the middle of the fourth quarter, before the Chiefs just went, all right, it's the Jack Cochran and Leo Chanel show, and we're going to see what happens here. Those are valuable reps for those guys, valuable reps for Felix Anaduke Uzama and Neil Farrell that are playing some of the most snaps that they have. Well, certainly Neil Farrell, he wasn't active until this week, but <laughs> the most snaps that, that Felix has played, you know, Sure, they are going to be up against a bad team in garbage time and all of that. Those all still matter, and it's all set up by the fact that the Chiefs came out and allowed a bad team to do nothing. Yes, the Bears' offense is anemic, if I'm being kind. Like, it, it, it's really, really, really bad. But... They looked even worse than that offense probably is. I've watched plenty of Bears this season already. Well, you live in the mountains of Colorado, I so I could see you watching plenty. Yeah, uh, just looking out the window, seeing plenty of yeah. good, good joke, but yeah. Um, thanks, appreciate you. Uh, just but yeah, I, you like do people know sure. you moved to Colorado? Yeah, yeah, people know. Um, okay, I. Uh, Anyway, but yeah, I, I've watched the the two previous games to kind of look and see what they were doing on offense. They have moments still. Like those receivers, DJ Moore's a good football player. And the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs took him away for most of the day, I mean, we we saw the targets that he was in single coverage and he was pretty blanketed for, for most of the day. The completions that he had were, were pretty blanketed. It's just fun to watch a defense that does not know any better. Isn't looking at a team and saying, oh man, yeah, this is going to be easy. 
They're going to roll over, look at the rings on our fingers. We got this. I'm not saying that other Chiefs teams definitely did that, but there were eggs that were laid by this defense against bad football teams before. That was not the case this weekend here. Yeah, the Bears against air, they probably still lose that game, but the Kansas City Chiefs defense blanking them until the middle of the fourth quarter, that's hard to do regardless of how bad an NFL offense is. Yeah, uh, one of the just kind of like small storylines, I guess, defensively that I thought was kind of good to see is, you know, this team got challenged. You know, the the outside corners got challenged vertically down the sideline several times in that game. You know, the Bears tried to take some shots on the outside. And I think largely the cornerbacks, you know, the young cornerbacks specifically did a pretty good job playing, uh, staying in phase, playing the ball well, uh, blanketing them at the catch point. So like, some you know some little things you can take away from the throws were mostly terrible, but just the process was good for them trying to work those you know those fades outside. So get to see some of that kind of stuff, um, which I mean that was like what constituted a, the vertical a- aspect of this offense. For, like it was so bad. I I can't tell you. I don't. I honestly like honestly like I'm telling you like I'm just perplexed by how bad. Of choices the the Bengals often or the the Bears offense was making like I just I high school route concepts like I don't I why not try to use Justin Fields legs as a weapon I don't know like what this isn't a Bears podcast Kent let's talk about how the Chiefs stopped them okay really cool you know what's really cool Trent McDuffie being so good that Jerry Steed who we've praised for years for being a great corner at everything besides the coverage stuff. And not that he's bad at the coverage, just he's been elite at everything besides the coverage aspect. Trent McDuffie's been so good that they have moved Legereus Steed out of the slot, out of the position to do all of those non-coverage corner things so that Trent McDuffie can do it. And outside blitzing, and I don't even know there, he might be just as good, if not better, than Legereus Steed and all this stuff. And what this also allows is Steed to go play on the outside. And now you take this really fast, long, rangy cornerback that struggles changing directions, that struggles with two-way goes out of the slot. That is where his issues in coverage have been, is when he has to deal with a wide receiver setting him up, squaring their hips up with them, and then running across the field horizontally. You remove that from his docket, and now all Steed's asked to do is essentially to run vertically. Yes, he will still chase guys across the you know field in man coverage, but for the most part, He's just getting to play vertical and use his length and his speed and the sideline and his physicality. I think it's making him a lot better player in coverage. I think this has been one of Steve's better coverage years here to start, and he's getting challenged by opposing teams' number one wide receivers. Yeah, he may have lost a rep or two to Calvin Ridley. Yeah, he may have lost a rep or two to DJ Moore. Guess what? I'm talking about like really good wide receivers that he's matched up with all game long. It's like... We talk a lot about Trip McDuffie being good, and I'm never going to stop anybody from doing that. Been on the Trip McDuffie bandwagon since day one here, but I really like what it means for Legarius Sneed because it's allowing him to play, I think, in a better position for him, and now he's showcasing a different skill set that I think that we as Chiefs fans kind of got away from seeing. It's been a while since Sneed has looked like a lockdown or a high, high-end coverage corner. He's been a guy that does everything else, and now we're getting back to that because they finally put him on the outside. So, like, I, I love that move for the Chiefs, and it seems to be paying big dividends here early on. Yeah, through three games right now, I've got Legereus Sneed at a 14% percent 
target rate by the opposing offense that is the highest uh, of any player wearing a Chiefs uniform. And it shows, like, it, you see, there's a lot of times that what? teams are targeting LeJarius Sneed. They're targeting LeJarius Sneed because he's following the other team's number one receiver all over the field there. LeJarius Sneed is allowing six yards per completion and has a 56% success rate. That means he wins more often than he loses. That's very positive as a corner. The next highest targeted player in the Chiefs secondary is Trent McDuffie. He's allowing 5.1 yards per, per target, but a 63% success rate. That's unheard of. And frankly, it's second on the team to Joshua Williams, who has seen significantly fewer targets, <laughs> and he gets to use the boundary a lot more than yeah. Trent McDuffie does. It is impressive to go down this list and look at it as it stands right now. This is through three games. The Kansas City Chiefs don't have a corner under a 50% success rate. They have played some good wide receivers. They have played some good offenses in the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know what the Jaguars did this week, but they were still a good offense. It doesn't matter. We can look at the Bears and say, oh yeah, they were terrible. They were. They were absolutely just a, a pile of dog poop on fire on somebody's porch. So that's how bad they were. But this defense, this secondary in particular, we've talked a lot about the front seven. We've talked a lot about the linebacker play, the defensive line. This secondary has been so, so, so good for Steve Spagnuolo. And it's amazing to sit here and watch a bunch of guys that are in their second year of the of the program here outside of Legereus Need performing at the level that they are. It, it's really, truly a treat to watch. Think about just Legereus Sneed and his usage. You know, with Sneed, you know, he's had some issues, you know, injury con you know, concerns. He's had some concussions in his career. You know, keeping him away from some of that contact, too, might not be the worst thing for his longevity either. Keeping him outside might help protect his body a little bit because, you know, he definitely seen, you know, the the ramifications like the first play against the Bengals. <laughs> Where'd that happen? Uh, you know, closer to the box. I, he might have lined out outside. I can't remember. But you see what I'm saying. You get the point. It might be helping him stay away a little bit from some of that physicality. Um, that he might be experiencing. Yeah, I thought Trent McDuffie was awesome. Um, you know, he, he was good in the run game, obviously making that play on the ball, forcing the fumble. I mean, he's a blue chip. I think we've got enough of a sample size to call him a blue chip. And that's a significant, you know, piece for, and, and a feather in the cap for Brett Veach. Uh, good receipt for the KCSN draft guide who had him number 16 overall player in that draft. Uh, <laughs> but... No, it's 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 no, it's great to see. Uh, anything next next what whatever you want to talk about on defense, Craig. What's the what's the thing that got you most excited? Oh man, um, let's see. Outside of the secondary, I really like that Steve Spagnuolo continued to mix things up. He saw a lot more or showed a lot more of the three-two dime defense that we have seen in the past. Uh, that's not something that's brand new to this year, but its usage was far more increased. It makes perfect sense. You've got Willie Gay and Drew Tranquil on the field together with three down linemen. Typically, it was George Karloftis, Mike Dana. I'm sorry, everybody, in the postgame show yesterday for saying Dana repeatedly. I'm very sorry. Mike Dana um, and Chris Jones on the field or Turk Wharton. 
using Willie Gay Jr. as a spy in that scenario is, frankly, some of his best usage that the Chiefs can get in a game like this where you're not going to see a ton of stuff flashing across his face, a ton of things that he can operate in the intermediate middle of the field. This offense is basically all go, you know, downfield or running the ball between the tackles. And those aren't necessarily things that Willie Gay Jr. affects the game in the same way. We saw lots of times, I, I know that Willie Gay Jr. overran a couple of sacks this week, but I thought that he did a really good job of still maintaining contain on a lot of plays, particularly when the game went along. Did a good job keeping Justin Fields in the pocket. And that's exactly what you wanted to do. Yeah, Justin Fields is terrible on the pocket. Make sure he doesn't break contain and use his legs in a way that can hurt you. The couple of times that we saw Justin Fields do that and make terrific scrambles were the plays that Willie Gay Jr. thought he had an avenue towards him and wasn't able to close up up the play all the way. That'll happen. That's just fine. He learned from it as the game went along. We talked a lot about Willie kind of not necessarily the same opportunities as other linebackers. This is a prime opportunity for him to see the field and impact the game. I felt like he really did, you know, keeping Justin Fields in check. I mean, I think... This goes back to something we talked about earlier is the Joe Cullen effect on this, this entire team. And I know Willie Gay's you know, linebacker, he's not just working with Joe Cullen, but you see it with the pass rush too. These guys are playing such good fundamental football and like they're working together in unison and it goes to keeping all these quarterbacks in the pocket, not just a guy like Justin Fields, but we saw it with Trevor Lawrence. We've seen it. Even, Jared Goff's not going to move as much, but we saw them working together, right? We saw that continuity kind of growing, and it's there. It's very evident, and I think that's a good realization of Steve Spagnuolo, Joe Cullen, and all the players on this team of the direction this league is going. The Chiefs secondary is good enough to shut down the primary route concept, the primary play call. Then now, to win a Super Bowl, you are also going to have to stop the second reaction play from Joe Burrows from Jalen Hurts's, from Josh Allen's, from maybe, so on and so maybe forth. Maybe not Joe Burrow. Uh, he may not be in the playoffs. Anyways, continue. And so you have to shut down the second reaction play of all of these guys. Well, to do that, you got to have defensive linemen in the correct spots. You can't get out of your rush lane and give them these open avenues. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, literally has been the guy that kind of pushed the NFL in this direction. And he, what he does, and you see teams try to do it against them all the time. Thankfully, he's a magician and he still finds a way to navigate through it. But not every quarterback is going to be able to do it at the same rate Patrick Mahomes has. See Matt Stafford trying to sidearm stuff around just a little bit ago. So, like, not every team can do it. So, the way this defense is playing right now is very good for them. I think it's going to go a long way, especially come playoff time. Yeah, it might not lead to a ton of sacks all the time. The sacks might be spread around. George Karloftis is playing fantastic football. The sacks he is getting are just cleanup sacks. His best rushes aren't resulting in sacks at all. His best plays, his most impressive plays aren't the ones he's really collecting these stats on, but that's it doesn't matter. People aren't chasing individual stats. I think that's really big for the youngest defense in the NFL to understand in a week three coming off of a Super Bowl winning season. That's pretty big. No, it's huge. Uh, no sophomore slump so far for this defense. You're seeing a lot of these second-year players still hungry. And, you know, I think we go back to... We go back to Steve Spagnuolo throwing Nazi Johnson out there, throwing uh, Nick Jones out there. He's throwing Khalif Palase and Echo Boydo out there. I mean, Echo Boydo wound up not making the team, and this is not knocking Echo. Don't make it out to be that. 
it's, it's a tough room to be in. A tough room to be in, but it's also I think it's it's kind of Steve Spagnuolo was not going to let some of these young guys and in, in this coaching staff was not going to let some of these young guys rest on what they did last year. And I think some of these players just have the right mentality in general, right? Trent McDuffie's getting some new challenges, which is just big. And George Karloftis is just like, you know, just listen to the man talk. Like, I think he's totally fine with doing exactly what he's doing right now. So I feel like uh, it's it's been good to see this young group. Justin Fields, like, I, and this isn't ducking on Justin Fields here. I We talk about C. Spagnuolo mixing some things up. He was not seeing things cleanly, scheme, scheme or not was not seeing things clearly, holding on to the ball too long, wasn't always resulting in sacks, to your point, but he just, like, the plays plays were dead. And second reaction plays weren't a thing. This team was really good with second reaction plays. I think that, I'm thinking of one play where, I mean, he tried, Justin Fields, you know, kind of fit one into to Cole, uh, Cole Komet, when he was working on the side of his body, yeah, and honestly, like I, 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 I rewatched it a few times, and like, there's nobody that should have fallen off of ch- pursuing Justin Fields to pick up Cole Komet. It was just a great play by Fields. Um, so even the second reaction stuff just was just you know, it was it it was it wasn't too bad. Uh, we're gonna take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Hey guys, it's Benny Heist from Benny and the Bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game and also lower your scores in the process. So no matter your skill level, You can be fitted for PSG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit and get 75% off your fitting at PXG.com. Or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913-396-6100. Thanks, everybody that is hanging out with us tonight. Again, we appreciate you and your support of KC Sports Network. It was really nice running into some of you uh, at Arrowhead this weekend. Thank you for some of the nice things you said. It was fun. I got to run into uh, Patrick Fee over at Holiday Distillery. Went over to Lot J, hung out with him for a little bit. Uh, got to meet the wonderful people at Bad Shelter Farms. Uh, they were Were you awesome. at the game or something? Yeah, I was. But I also got to tailgate as well. And it was Beef of the week. Kit Swanson versus the referees. Oh. It's just Tucker clipping the first 15 I, minutes. I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, uh, Beef of the Week's my favorite thing ever. I love it so much. Um, but I think we, I think Juwan was last week, so me versus them about Juwan Taylor might just be too close to home. Uh, really she versus the end zone. I think that's the, oh, the, the low hanging trip. Poor guy. <laughs> We should just yeah, do. Do you have anything else about the defense, or can we move on to the offense? I mean, it's it's hard to have much else. They they beat a bad team and made them look really bad. Like we'll we'll see. They're not going to play a good offense for a net for a little while now. Just keep aiming. Yeah, and I said the Chargers is the good offense they're going to play. They just lost Mike Williams for the season, yeah. and yeah. like let's be real, Keenan Allen had like eighteen targets. That dude's hamstrings or a really old rubber band that you found underneath the refrigerator, like, you don't know how much longer they're going to last if he's getting 18 targets. Listen, the Broncos... I can't. I just can't. No, I can't. 
you know, I saw some people saying like some Brent, some Broncos fans saying that they were getting text messages from people feel, saying they're feeling bad for him. Not a chance. I don't. I don't feel bad for him at all. I I'm gonna just enjoy every second of it. It's just past that a tree, Quinn Miners. I uh, just you know just I yeah they they make it very easy to not like them. Is, are the Broncos your least favorite AFC West team? Maddie. Oh, no, they're probably no, they're probably my favorite AFC West team. Besides <laughs> the Chiefs. I probably have the least ill will towards the Broncos compared to the Chargers and the Raiders. That's so weird. I mean, okay, I, I brought this up in the in the chat a little bit yesterday, but like how hard is it for an AFC West team that's not named the Chiefs to find a competent coach or and or front office? Like this is it's getting bad. Like to the point now where like watching Josh McDaniels salt away that game yesterday was yikes. Sean Payton, the Broncos paid a first round and a second round pick to watch him get 70 balled by his former ball boy. <laughs> and then you got the Chargers and Brendan Staley, who is still there for some reason. And he's trying to they, go his way. Oh, he, really he, is. Guys, he, he guys, doesn't he, know. It's finally showed a pulse, and we're 40 minutes into the show and haven't talked about them. Let's okay. Go. Let's well, go real office. quick, real quick. <laughs> Brendan Staley, didn't he go for it on fourth and one from his own 24 to try to ice the game, too? Yes, yeah. he should have lost the game, and then they tried like a fullback trap play or something that got stuffed because the Vikings were not about to get run on all game. It was a terrible decision. It's so all funny. Game. It's just all hilarious i'm sorry i'm just enjoying it thoroughly uh i feel i don't feel any level of sympathy and i'd rather continue to watch it go the way it is yeah the offense definitely showed a pulse and travis kelsey looked healthier and i you know the consistency of the receivers around him everything just kind of started to look a lot more normal uh or you know comfortable the level of comfort seems to be there a lot more to at least the point where maybe it's not perfect all the time, but Mahomes is willing to fire the ball a little bit, even when maybe, you know, saw I saw some frustrations here and there with some guys and going over and making some comments and stuff, it looked like, uh, about some routes and stuff. But, I mean, largely, it felt like he was firing the ball confidently, uh, seeing things well, and some of these other guys were starting to get involved a little bit, Matthew. Well, yeah, it looks like they, you know, are getting close to getting out of the woods uh, with this troubles on the offensive side of the ball here because Travis Kelsey's back and that fixes so many issues, right? Like we saw it a couple times this game, whether it's a third down or just the quick reactions and Travis Kelsey quickly reading out the play and saying, oh, yeah, maybe I'm supposed to run this to the numbers at 13 yards, but what if I maybe go to the hash mark at 18 yards and Pat's going to find me because that's where he's going to look for me right away. Just having that guy that you know that's going to be there, I think it allows Pat, that's Patrick LeVon Mahomes for you, Kent, um, to play with more confidence. And you saw a guy that was out there, I think, throwing the football with more confidence. Even that very first incompletion to Rasheed Rice where he kind of settles down and doesn't keep carrying up field. Clearly a mistake by Rice. I do think the play is drawn up for him to sit down. It's just he has to know to keep moving to the open space there, right? Like That's on a rookie, but you still saw Pat rip it incredibly confidently. He wasn't doing that at the same level versus the Lions or even the Jags, especially later in the game. So like, I think you just saw him get out there and get more confident. He felt more comfortable with what he had. 
because 87 was going to be there. He was going to be doing exactly what needed to be done on any given play. And that kind of spread over to Pat playing better with everyone else. For the most part, the guys didn't let him down this game either. They gave him no reason to really doubt. Like, yeah, a rookie didn't quite go to the exact right spot on the first drive. You kind of get over that pretty quick when it's a rookie who doesn't make an onside adjustment immediately and tries to settle down with, again, what I think is the right route that's called. So, like, there there was no reason for him to play unconfidently, and, like, that showed up. There was a reason he was throwing every pass with his chest again. There was a reason he was scrambling with his eyes downfield and not scrambling to run like he was against the Lions. Great performance all around, but I like seeing them kind of get their swagger back there. Yeah, and... Uh, you know, obviously, Travis Kelsey being on the field helps a ton, but I don't think that any of us realized how much it was going to open up for Rasheed Rice. The Chicago Bears still don't know how to defend that that route that Rice ran multiple times in the middle of the field. I, I, call it a glance, call it like a skinny pose, call it something like that. But Travis Kelsey lining up, you know, as the Y there and dragging across the field. Pulled all of the coverage, I, every last bit of it, away from Rushy Rice. And those are the sorts of things that we saw Juju Smith-Schuster do last year and really find some success, you know, kind of filling in those empty spaces that, you know, uh, that Travis Kelsey left behind there. If Rasheed Rice can get into this a little bit quicker, start, you know, eliminate that one bad drop a game that, that we're all just becoming accustomed to, if he can get rid of some of those little mental errors here, I think he's so due to be a big part of this offense, just filling in that zone, filling in those areas behind Travis Kelsey and using that explosion to get upfield quickly as soon as he has the ball in his hands. we got to see that rhythm a little bit more this week. You're starting to see a little bit more of the picture of what this offense looks like. I know that Sky Moore, you know, doesn't have a game that you look at on the stat sheet and you're like, wow, he really impressed this week. He did. Like, I, I felt like this is more what I expected of Sky Moore. Give him a few more volume targets. Have him convert some of that stuff. You know, these seven, eight-yard chunks, not the big pass play down the sideline that we saw last week. This was more of what I expected out of Sky Moore. If they get that Sky Moore for the rest of the year, that sort of stuff, Throw him four passes. Have him be 40 to 60 yards every single week. That is a massive boon for this offense. When you've got Travis Kelsey, you've got the explosion of Rushy Rice. You've got the ability to get vertical with MBS and Justin Watson, who were both, once again, pretty good. You know, it, it, the wide receiver room for all of the kind of disheartening nature of it in week one has really looked. I think what we had hoped that it would look like early on in the season, it's not perfect, far from it. But I think we can look at this group and say, you, you're dealing with the building blocks and the growing pains of a young group, but the future is so bright because you can see how all of these guys can win within this offensive structure. And like I think we all knew week one was going to, week one was going to be, potentially rock bottom for that group right like i think we kind of all kind of acknowledge like it's going to be hard to be worse and it yeah. hasn't been worse in two games since and it's been better and this group has gotten better and you know good on the chiefs for trying to figure out how to get these guys involved early in some of these games trying to get them really you know involved and, and keep firing and keep growing it looked like you know rasheed rice and justin ross were getting some different opportunities early in the game you know they were and they were on the field together a couple times 
uh, I believe, in like a 12 personnel. They might have been the only receivers on the field, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, they did a couple times, especially I think he, he, <clears throat> out of the red zone. There was, I mean, not especially, but there was a, probably one or two in the red zone where they were on the field together. And then I think maybe on the first drive as well. First yeah. Drive. yeah. And like the, I think Mahomes first pass, they tried to throw it to Justin Ross. I personally just watching from that angle, think he needs to attack the ball a little bit more than he did. He kind of let it come into him. Should have caught it. He should have caught it. And I think he probably should have like kind of worked towards the football a little bit on that. Personally, just watching it, they just kind of look like he tried to let it come into him a little bit too much. Um, but I just, yeah, I, it seems like this group continues to just get more and more comfortable, more and more confident. Um, and, and Mahomes is starting to, to believe it as well. Um, and Rashi Rice, man, I, I, I said it a while back. He's the ceiling for this group. I think he's the one that can really be the, the, the one that's going to kind of elevate this group in a big, big way. And he's got, I mean, I think he leads the receivers in targets now i think i saw i, I wish i could credit whoever i i believe he leads the rec- all receivers in credit uh in targets for the chiefs um but he did get volume fed right there at the you end would of be, this game. you would be correct he has 14 targets travis kelsey is first with 17 in two games yeah and rishi rice has got 14 and then sky more 13 justin watson 12. so there you go um and i get 11 one. 10 9 8 7 that's other receivers by the way Kadarius Tony with eleven targets and thirty-five yards. Yikes! Uh, we uh, the, today's not the day to have the Kadarius Tony conversation. Yeah, we we won't. But I just saw that. But I mean, did he play after like the first? No, play? no, he, he played two snaps. He yeah. played one on the the second or third drive. I don't know if he reaggravated an injury. If they knew that, not even that quickly though. I don't think that they knew it was going to be a blowout. So like, I I don't know, but. From what we have seen, too, you know, you can use Rasheed Rice in a lot of the same ways you can use Kadarius Tony. It seems to be like the, there's a little bit of overlap in their skill set. No, they haven't been giving Rice a ton of like the end around stuff, and he doesn't have that level of speed. But in terms of in the passing game, you can give him a lot of the same actual work in the passing game. I'm excited for Rice to get some more what's called the real routes. Like a lot of right now, he's just running little spacing routes, getting the ball and turning it into yak. Love it. It's great. It's getting him involved. And they've tried to get him on some crossers and stuff. I'm excited for real routes, but the, the best thing he did in this game, even better than all the yak, his blocking. He's he's probably the Chiefs' best blocking wide receiver right now. They're putting him in there to go dig out linebackers. They're putting him in there to go fit up on safeties that are trying to come in and fill the run. Like It really stands out. They are trying to get him in there, especially in the slot, and then run kind of his direction or have him come insert into the actual like run play and take on a linebacker. So like, you're getting a rookie wide receiver that's creating yak and blocking well. I mean, there's a lot of ceiling there, and he's doing a lot of the dirty work stuff that you don't always get from young guys. Yeah, I mean, again, that, that drop per game, you eliminate that, all of a sudden Andy Reid's going to trust you a lot more to do a lot of stuff. We have seen that when guys make repeated mistakes and repeated drops, they don't get those opportunities. Andy Reid kind of puts them on ice for a little bit to get their heads right, you know, not trying to put too much on their plate. That's got to improve. If that improves, I think that this is, you know, he has the chance to be the Chiefs' leading wide receiver in yards, which right now is Justin Watson. For those of you who are not paying all the way attention, it is Justin Watson. Yeah, Travis Kelsey didn't play week one, but Justin Watson on merit right now leading the team and receiving uh, I'm going to do some quick math here real quick. I, while I'm doing that, I do want to say something. Um, 
and we talk about you talk about blocking, right? And Justin Watson is like also another guy that's got a lot of you know credit for his blocking in the past. Well, that's the kind of stuff that that that's the kind of stuff that gets you opportunities to make plays on the field when you are a good blocker and when you can you know get those kind of opportunities. Some other chances will fall into your lap because you earn your opportunities as a blocker and stuff like that. So, uh, I you know that's. That's something I, I mean, I, I, he keeps doing that. Good things are going to happen to him and opportunities are going to keep coming his way. I wanted to do some quick math right now. Um, it appears to me per, uh, the KC laboratory analytics department, um, which is better than Collinsworth's PFF, uh, department. Um, this is another Collinsworth joke. Um, shout out the people at PFF. This calculator uh, works slow. <laughs> this call this this um, the calculator is just really long winded. Is it eight hundred ninety five yards? Is that what you're trying to figure out? That's Justin yeah, Watson no. season long total. Rashi <laughs> Rashi Rice's season projection uh, is six hundred twelve yards. Yeah, that is not the that is not the typical. I mean that's that's a, you know that's a that's a pretty good number. That's what's gonna do. Well, that's gonna double Sky Moore and then some. Yeah. He might pass. He might pass Sky Moore before Halloween. In fact, yeah, he probably he, will he really pass might. Sky Moore stats. You talk about last, his his last year. Sky yeah. Moore's last year. His oh yeah, yeah. His Sky year. Moore, as a matter of fact, if he plays like he did the last two games, Sky Moore in essentially two games is going to pass his last year total. Yeah. Like that, he he's going to quickly do that. I I think that. I, I will be curious at the end of the season here if the Chiefs have a thousand yard wide receiver. Again, Travis Kelsey, I think we expect him to get there eventually here. But it does seem like maybe they're pacing for a bunch of guys that are going to be in the six to eight hundred mark. And by a bunch, I mean like potentially four or five. And- Watson, Valdez, Gantling, Sky, Rashi. Maybe, Maybe another one. As, as Kadarius running back. Kadarius Noah Gray already has seventy-eight. Yards. I agree with you, Bumpa. I listen. Yeah. I'm I'm here with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I, you know, some are gonna are gonna say it's a coincidence. Uh, just saying. Well, you're not trying to force the ball to a guy that doesn't play real wide receiver every other rep that he's on the field. I'm just just saying. For the audio only listeners, uh, Maddie was reading a comment of how the offense seems to play better when Kadarius Tony is not on the field. So there was that real quick around the horn before we do uh, sticker slaps and spirits. Perfect. Uh, we are about a month away from the NFL trade deadline and I know it's three games in. Do you think the chiefs need to make a move at the trade deadline for an offensive skill player? based on the sample size you've seen to this point? Yes or no? Matthew, you have to make a decision right now. I know it's early. Again, acknowledging need, it's early. Need to know if an opportunity presents itself, they should. Okay. Craig? Uh, you should tune in to 21 Questions this week to get my answer for that. Is that is that a question on 21 Questions? It is a question on 21 Questions that me and my good pal, His Darkness, answered for you. So stay tuned. That's later yeah. this week. That's what I get for not being on the Discord. Very often. Or listen. Right. Sticker slaps and spirits time. And uh, if you are listening uh, or if you are watching live, feel free. We are going to give a game ball out to somebody uh, that you, of your guys' is choosing. Sticker slaps and spirits here. 
Uh, my sticker is going to go. I'm going to go to Rishi Rice. Rishi, I'm. I want to give you something since you came short of the end zone twice. I feel like you deserved at least one touchdown this week. Uh, the mean old refs called you short. Uh, so I'm going to give you a sticker as consolation, Rishi Rice. I love what I'm seeing out of you. Keep playing. Hopefully, Mahomes keeps firing. I'm sure he will. Matthew, butt slapping a good job. What say you? Wait, isn't it correct? Okay. No. Um, Never has been. I have two. I have two that I wanted to get in here. We real quick something else. So this is now a pickle that I have been presented with. So I'm going to go with my first one. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, I thought he ran well. I, yeah. I he gets a lot of he gets a lot of a lot of flack from fans. Um, I thought he ran really well. Actually, I think he was their best runner. I think he ran the plays the best. I think Isaiah Pacheco actually missed uh misran quite a few plays. He's just so dynamic in the open field. He makes up for it. Clyde, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. He is going to run exactly what is called, and he's going to go there, and he doesn't always get you anything extra. So fans get a little upset when the runs kind of fall short, but they're not his fault. He finds every yard that is there following the blocking scheme, following the play. They did a good job getting... I really like the pistol outside zone for him. It didn't amount to much, but I like using that for him instead of making it so difficult. His stat line was almost identical to Isaiah Pacheco. Um, and like I said, I thought he was actually running the plays a little bit better. So there was a real good game from Clyde. And, uh, you know, we, we got to lay off the guy. He, he's been he's been very solid for the Chiefs so far as like a running back two for them. Can, can I can I say something really quick before you uh, before you jump in, Craig? Um, the I think the Clyde Edwards Alaire discourse, a lot of people when he didn't show up to the Super Bowl stuff was just like they discarded him. Because they felt like they were, it was like trade him, move on, right? But like he is a valuable asset, and he was a valuable asset, and he is a valuable asset when he's hungry or when he's when he's healthy. And like I just think it's like it it went the pendulum swung way too far. I think looking yeah. at him as a trade asset, it made sense, but like he just he deserved to be on this team and playing in some capacity. It's just I think the idea was maybe you trade him, but I think people took him not being at the Super Bowl celebration and all that stuff as like he's a worthless player. And I think that's where the pendulum kind of swung too far. If the anyway. blocking is good enough to get you five yards, he's getting you five yards. And Pacheco's might get three yards on that same play. Now he might also get you 10, right? Mm -hmm. That's the difference. And that's what, that's what you're playing Pacheco more for. That's why Pacheco is better. I'm not saying that. It's just Clyde is going to go where the run's supposed to. And it was very evident in this game. Look at some of Pacheco's goal line runs. He was completely avoiding his puller and not following him and bouncing it outside or going backside. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Clyde is going right through that gap. He is following Joe Tooney right into the end zone. He was trying to do their first touchdown. So just, you know, shout out Clyde. All right. My whole ass bottle of bourbon, of holiday, been holiday bourbon, goes to Drew Tranquil. Um, oh, yeah. it has been a long time and I have pounded the table for a long time to find a logical backup Mike linebacker for this team. And the chief finally have one. This is the first time that I can remember that a player of Nick Bolton's importance to this defense, especially as important as he is to this coaching staff within this defense. When he popped up on the injury report, uh, you know, this week I said, you know what? Let him rest. Like, I think that they got this. Drew Tranquil showed up. He played really well. He kept the defensive front organized really, really well. Things went about as well as you can expect from a backup Mike linebacker running the show. 
I was really impressed by what he brought to the table. I was really impressed by how he filled gaps in the way that Nick Bolton typically does, not necessarily the way that he's asked to play. We hear Steve Spagnuolo talk all the time about playing all over, you know, in every single position, learning every linebacker position and wanting guys that can do that. I feel like for the first time that Drew Tranquil is that guy and can do all of that for this defense. It is so nice to have that insurance and to prevent against things like the Atlanta Falcons game happening from so long ago, three, four years ago, that the Chiefs were down to their backup, backup, backup Mike linebacker. It It's nice to know that when things like this occur, they've got guys they trust. They've got guys that they can still run the full defense and call all the plays that they need to do. Drew Tranquil, shout out, whole last bottle of bourbon for you, my friend. Great Jimmy Buckus jersey, too. Elite Jimmy Buckus jersey. The game ball is going out per the chat to Trent McDuffie. Well-deserved for the game ball. Shout out Brent Shepard for that suggestion there. Uh, yeah, I mean, well-deserved. Blue chip Trent McDuffie, as some would call him. Uh, thanks, everybody that listened, supporting KC Sports Network. We genuinely appreciate you. It's been a fun season already so far. There's going to be so much great content on this channel every day throughout the season. There's something for you. We appreciate y'all. We'll catch you later. Shout out Chiefs 01. Great protection.